0: Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to pop in and just let you guys know that there is some strong, explicit language used in this episode. Randy and I were discussing beforehand if we were going to censor the language or not, but we decided that Black voices are censored enough as it is, and it didn't feel right to do so to censor their voices further. Because we believe that their voices need to be heard and also deserve to be heard, without being censored. But yeah, just a warning. If you're not a fan of explicit terminology or words, you can skip this episode if you want. But I definitely think it's a good episode to listen to. Hey guys, welcome back to the Manifest of Life podcast. I'm Lindsay. Randy is not going to be joining us today, but I have the pleasure of talking to my friend Kennedy and her boo thing, as Charles likes to say. Charles.
1: Hello, my name is Charles Smith. I am a beautiful black man in this really fucked up world.
0: And I'm Kennedy
2: Altman, and I am this beautiful black man's girlfriend and a white ally to the black community.
0: I know Kennedy, I'm a longtime friend of Kennedy. And Charles and Kennedy are huge social justice advocates, and Randy and I wanted to get a more intimate take into the things that are going on today in society. And so Charles and Kennedy, they were kind enough to be able to sit down and have a really hard conversation with me.
2: And thank you for having these conversations with us, Lindsay.
0: Of course. Any, anything that I can do to be a better human being. And call me out. Don't be afraid to call me out same you gotta Harl- call me out
1: for right now Charles, <laughs> call me out oh okay yeah Oh, i, I was like what the hell are y'all talking about <laughs> um but I, yes trust and believe lindsay if i need to like let you know or like i need to speak to you about something i will do that but i will not come in a way that i'm going to attack you i'm going to come in a way that shows that i'm just trying to help you learn
0: Randy isn't going to be joining us, but that's just because like she's working on her course and a bunch of other things. We also didn't feel like it was right for us to release any of the episodes that we had recorded and edited for this week because we didn't feel like our voices were the voices that needed to be heard this week. And I also just think that talking about this and hearing this conversation, because these conversations aren't comfortable to have. And I think they're very important that these conversations are had. And if somebody listens to this and hears how I'm not always going to know exactly what to say, I'm not always going to have the right words. And I think having this conversation and hopefully somebody else hearing it, they'll be like, hey, that girl didn't know what to say, but that's okay because I'm open to being educated the right way to talk about things. So... How how are you guys feeling through all of this?
1: How am I feeling? Um, I can say late, late last week, I was definitely really feeling just mentally exhausted. Um, just, you know, one seeing just another unarmed black man being killed is just it's disturbing and it takes me to a place that I don't like being in mentally. Um, And luckily I was able to like get away this past weekend ish and like go up to where she's from. And like, really, because I don't have service up there. So I'm like, without service, I can't really see anything that's going on with social media and things like that. But um, just this past, like what, six, seven days has just been, A lot of just heavy, just feeling heavy and also just feeling just mentally exhausted and mentally drained and just thinking about, you know, the possibility of, you know, what's going to happen next? Who's going to be next? Is it going to be someone that I know and that I love that's near and dear to my heart? Or is it fucking going to be me? Yeah, just, it's just a lot to think about and a lot to just process, Um, which I mean, I'm still processing. I had to take a day off from work this week because I was just like, I can't. I can't do anything. Like I, the, the, the feeling of just being numb for like several days straight, because it's like, like, what can I do? Like, well, there are things I know I can do, but it's like, at this point in time, it's like, why do I have to think about this? Why is this something I still need to think about? And why do I have to feel this way when, you know, it's, it's just, It would be more easier if things like this with George Floyd didn't happen. um, And so I have just been doing my best to just, one, keep myself in a safe and healthy mental place in my head, as well as just trying to navigate and maneuver just day to day right now with trying to stay professional while working, which really, really sucks, or just trying to be cool, calm and collective in certain situations where it's like I I... I want to lash out or I want to express my feelings of like how I feel with the situation Um, and also just how I feel about what's going on today in society and thinking about like, you know, the protests and things like that and all the backlash that, you know, people are receiving um, for these protests and things like that. Um, And also, I'm just, you know, really, really fed up. Um, if if I could really say what I wanted to say and truly put it into words there would be a lot of cuss words flying so again I'm trying to refrain but if you, I'm just, i you, just
0: you know what maybe we should just let this podcast be as uncensored as possible don't censor yourself I mean I if you give if you say. give me
1: the green light you I, I promise you I won't hold back but to again reiterate, reiterate what I was saying I'm just I'm beyond fed the fuck up and I know there are a lot of other people that feel the same. Um, And I mean, if I could... (sighs) If I could just snap my finger like Thanos and just change shit, I definitely would in a heartbeat. Um, And I've also had to just think about making, like just think about like if I ever were in that situation where I was a bystander, like what would I do? And I think, of course, the first instinct is to like, you know, like most people do in those situations is just like pull out their phone and record whether they're just doing that just for shits and giggles or they were doing that just for evidence sake. But I, one thing that really, really got to me, was the fact that just thinking about like i don't like seeing people die at the hands of the law enforcement and it's it's too like y- y- you know if you think about like death in like movies or books or whatever just in anything else you know it's it's scripted and everything like that but like something like that it's like it it just it hits different because it's actual real life instead of like a character or something like that mm-hmm. um just to give an example, whether that's a good example or not. But, um, I I've had definitely made the conscious decision that if I was ever in the situation where I saw something like that, that was happening to Joyce Floyd, I couldn't stand there. Like I, I would take that L whatever L comes with that by either pushing that police officer or assaulting that police officer. Like I would have to take that L. Um, And I mean, yeah, for the black community, but also just just for the 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 standpoint of just, you know, like police brutality, like just in general, like police believe that they're above the law. And I know not all police officers feel that way. At the same time, it's like you, from what I understand, your oath is just protect and serve and killing someone is not protecting and serving. Mm hmm. And I get it. Your job's hard. I get it that, you know, a lot comes with that, you know, physically and mentally. I completely understand that. But at the end of the fucking day, your job is to protect and serve. And if I feel like you're not doing that, I have to call you out on that shit. As well as to if I see you as a police officer, like... I don't, if I don't think you're doing the right thing, like I, I have to speak up. And if it gets physical, it gets physical. And I'm, like I said, I'm at that point, like whatever L comes with that, I am just going to have to be okay with that, with whatever that may be. Now I hope and at the same time, I never hope to have to be in that situation. And I don't want anyone thinking that I think I'm above the law or anything like that. But at the same time, like, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I don't think I can sit here and be okay with myself anymore and saying, like, if I ever came across that, I would be okay with just standing there. Like, I, I, you know, whatever may have happened, I would be like, at the end of the day, I was not going to sit here and watch someone get killed, especially for the color of their skin, whether they did right or wrong, because at the end of the day, the way our traditions are supposed to be set up you're supposed to you know have the right to trial whatever whatever all that extra shit that I I'm not trying to get into but I think it just it 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 just pains me I guess and I I don't know like I'm getting into just thinking about it more deeply, again, it's just like I, I'm i get lost for words because at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I, all I could do is just intervene. And whatever happens after that, it is what it is mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So at the time of recording this, the other three police officers have been re- arrested. Do you think in them being arrested that justice has been served?
1: No, not at all. I don't even feel justice has been even served with the fact that the was his name Derek or David Chilvin, whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) I don't Um, don't even feel like one thing, I'm not like one of your questions, don't worry, I'll come back around. But I think it's one, the fact that, you know, they were just only going to charge him with third degree murder. I thought that was absolute bullshit. Um, And then now they're saying, okay, we moved to the second degree murder. And now we just like, uh, now we just arrested those other officers. Like at the end of the day, to me, justice served is when these police officers will be held accountable for the murder that they do. And, you know, I I don't know all the stipulations between first degree murder, second degree murder, third degree murder, whatever. Um, And I'm sure it's even, you know, depicted differently in each state. But, I mean, you look at the video, you see just had his knee on that man's neck and just didn't do anything about it. And you can hear that man begging for his life, like I cannot breathe. Like you already have him restricted, you already have him in handcuffs. Like, like what more do you need to do? And also, what are you guys waiting on? You guys have four of the police officers there and no one, none of those other police officers thought to think this isn't what we're supposed to do. This isn't protocol. This is what we have been taught. And then to just do nothing. And no, I don't think justice has been served. And to be quite frank with you, even at the end of this trial, I would not be surprised that if he doesn't get charged with murder, or whatever, second degree, or whatever you want to call it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, which sucks to, to feel that, to have that thinking and to have that mindset. Like you, you would think you know, I would have hoped that justice would be served. I don't think whatever justice is going to be served, whatever decision is going to be made, I don't think it's going to be enough to really um, show the totality of the situation Um, and to show that, you know, we are holding our police officers in this country accountable for their actions. So, but no, like the other Three or four officers, them getting finally getting arrested or whatever. No, I don't think that is justice served at all. It it shouldn't have taken them one. It shouldn't have taken them more than a day to arrest that officer that did end up, um, killing George Floyd. But also, it should not have taken almost a goddamn week to have those other officers be reprimanded and also now be arrested. Um, so no, not at all. I don't feel like justice has been served. Um, now to me which showed that justice would be served is honestly, I think they should change that the charge, I think that should be changed the first degree murder. And I think that he should be founded guilty. Um, And then for those other officers, even though they did not physically do anything to murder George Floyd, I think just being bystanders and just standing there, I think they should definitely at least be charged with second degree or third degree murder or at least manslaughter. But, so I have to interject for a second.
2: Just to fact check, I know that the difference between first degree murder and second degree murder, the main difference is that, First degree murder was premeditated. So, if, we, okay, if yeah. we were to give him first degree murder charge, whatever the hell his name is. Um, but the, the difference between the main difference between first degree and second degree is that it was premeditated. And we know that it wasn't premeditated. He was acting on his instinct, which I will dive right into. <laughs> uh, he was acting on his instinct. And uh, something came out about his statement being that all he saw was George Floyd running down the street and he said something about, I don't know what the direct quote was. He said something about, I saw George Floyd running down the street and I knew that he looked like a criminal. And someone quoted that and said, why are we dancing around the bush here? You saw that he was black and that's why. Like If you saw someone running from you, you can't even see the front of this person. What is it that makes that person a criminal?
0: What is it? You don't know. I do have one question because this is just something I've always... So growing up, I was taught to say African-American, but then I had a friend tell me to just say black, but then a lot of people are using the term people of color. And I just want to know, Charles, what do you prefer or what does it matter? I just want to be as sensitive as possible and use the correct terminology. Uh,
1: Well one i want to say i am okay with being fact checked so if i had my ish wrong about the whole degrees of murder i apologize you know i'm not like Trump. sorry i wasn't no it's fine i'm not i'm not trumpito out here saying that facts don't matter but Mm -hmm. um back to what you just asked Lindsay. um i personally don't find an issue with you know being called african-american or being called black i mean at the end of the day i'm proud of being black and i'm proud of like my skin and all that stuff. Um, I I don't think, I I think the biggest thing that really that people run into with like using whatever term is just how they use the term. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Now, I have seen people say that the term people of color can be disingenuous to other people of color or just, just basically just secluding like different races into one little pot I guess I'm I'm not saying I disagree or or agree I just I don't fully understand the reasoning behind that Uh, but I mean for all three of those terms I African American black person of color I really don't care I think it's okay to use all those terms just again in the matter in the context of what you how you use them and what you're using them for as someone
2: who works in a helping profession. In general, just to be a good person, it's always important to use person-first language. So I think that's a lot of where the term people of color comes from, is because they are a person before they are any color. Um, And in my head, I've always, you know, maybe that's just because I've never asked that question out loud before. I have always just assumed that people of color refers to people of any color other than white yeah and I do still loosely use that in a lot of my a lot of the posts that I've been posting but and if if I'm wrong somebody please fact check me on that because i do i use i use people i use that term a lot because in helping professions you want to say um for instance uh person living with autism or um person with a psychiatric diagnosis of a b and c so mm-hmm. it's Th- that's where I think that stems from i I don't think mm-hmm. yeah i don't I don't know that it has a lot of negative connotations, but again, if I'm wrong, someone please correct me on that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I just wanted to point out that in having this conversation, if we are wrong towards anything, please tell us because we are here to be educated. And that same goes for if I'm saying something and you guys say that I'm wrong. This is an open conversation and I am not against being educated if it makes me a better person at the end of the day. I appreciate that about yous. (laughs) I sure do. (laughs) So what do you think of the people who are more concerned with the looting and burning of commercial buildings than they are about George Floyd's life?
1: Um, personally, uh, fuck their feelings, to be honest with you, because fucking America, America in general was built on fucking protests. Um, motherfuckers went to war for what they fucking believed in. Um... To be honest with you, I with the whole looting and rioting, like and all that shit. To be honest, like if that is a mechanism that needs to be used in order for us to be fucking heard, I I really don't give a fuck. Um, at the end of the day, is that something that is wrong morally? Yeah, but at the same time, America has been morally morally fucking over people that look like me for centuries, and so. If that means we got to fuck up the white man's dollar just so y'all want to fucking listen to us, then fuck it. Like, I like I personally did not give a fuck about that Target shit. Because at the end of the day, Target's going to be fucking okay. They can restock their fucking shelves. They can redo their fucking stores. They're going to be the fuck all right. Um, now, what I personally don't like with like the whole root, uh, the the looting and the rioting is black owned businesses, because I think those businesses we need to like keep safe. And, you know, because, you know, one to save the entrepreneurship of the black community. I think that is something that's special that needs to be taken care of at the end of the day. If you have a business and it does get looted or anything like that, I and and you know, for a fact that you have not contributed to the racial discrimination of the black community as well as other minority communities. You know, I understand if you get upset, but at the end of the day, we are not being heard. And when motherfuckers aren't heard, they do shit to make sure they get heard. And that's why I, I, I don't, I don't care about the rioting, and looting because at the end of the day, if that's what needs to be done for us to be heard, then so be it. At the end of the day, if it really matters that much to you, then use your insurance, your business insurance, whatever the hell you got for your business. Get your shit replaced and open your shit back up whenever you deem pop- whenever you deem it be necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it
2: it really says a lot about your character. Like what shakes you more? You are more shook up about a business being looted than you are someone's life being taken from them. The majority of these businesses have insurance, mind you. And if they don't have insurance, they're not businessing the right way. You know what I mean? Like you have to take into account losses like this because you don't know what kind of disasters are going to happen. Natural between natural disasters and economic disasters. If that's what you want to call this, like it's these, these businesses are going to be okay. They are. I don't condone anybody's life being taken away from them, and I think something that was kind of important that I saw on Facebook, too. Of course, everything's coming from social media because people are talking now, and even if even if they're saying some ignorant stuff, like they're talking, and that's big, and that, that better keep happening. I'm gonna make sure that it keeps happening.
0: Yeah, as me a white too. ally,
2: I'm going to make sure that it keeps happening. But somebody said it's important to note that the protesters are protesting and the looters are looting and the people who are looting are people like Charles said who have been hurting this this hurt isn't something that is recent it is not something that happened with our generation it is something that has happened since the beginning of America when we brought people from a country we kidnapped people human beings from a country treated them like animals and enslaved them to build up our country. And then we were like, oh yeah, here's all your rights. Here you go. Now you're just like us, but we don't fucking treat them like we, us. And that, we, it, that's what has to stop. And that—that that is just one of the million things that is fueling all of this anger, right? Like deep and hurt and frustration from not
1: being heard i would say to everyone that thinks the rioting and looting is wrong and all that shit go back and read your history books about the boston tea party what was that about you was upset with the british because you didn't want to be under uh, the monarch's rule anymore i get it i understand and what do you do? You took one of their biggest money makers back then, which was T. You took their fucking ship and you dumped all their fucking merchandise. And what happened? They lost a shit ton of money. And what happened? Americans felt fucking heard at that time. And then what did that also lead up to? The fucking Revolutionary War. And so, like, it, it, it baffles me, like, when people say, well... You know, you shouldn't be looting. Like, that doesn't spread, like, that doesn't, you know, spread the message, like, in the right way, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, but it got your fucking attention, didn't it? That's all we want. I, I, it, <sighs> I'm getting riled up because, like, it, it again, I'm just, I'm hurt and I'm angry. But, again, that's why people are rioting and looting. They're hurt. They're angry. We are not being heard, and until people realize that, there are certain people out there that just do not care, and like I said, they will do what they need to do. Just like how those Americans during that that time with the whole Boston T-Bar and all that, they didn't care about how the British felt. They were like, we are going to be heard. And if it takes us destroying some of their merchandise or whatever, or one of their biggest trades, then that's totally fine. And we are okay with that. And look where it got them.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: at the end of the day, I, it, the fact that people worry about looting and writing more than someone's life, I, it is what it is, I guess. And until they figure it out and they take their head out of their ass, that's on them, to be honest with you. And yeah. yeah,
2: and there have been a lot of people too that are like, "Well, why can't you just protest peacefully? There are more peaceful ways to do this," and that makes me really fucking upset. And here's why: Colin Kaepernick—that was the some of the loudest peaceful protesting that America has seen, and people were burning Nike products because Nike endorsed that. Like, at that, <laughs> what's your point? We yeah, we can protest peacefully, and then nothing's gonna happen. Just like the time before that, and the time before that, and the time before that. Don't come at me with that. <laughs> it's, we can't protest peacefully.
0: Exactly. We can't. And why, why is it when white people protest, it's okay? But then it's not with okay. With weapons. Yes. With actual
2: bullets, they were protesting. But they were good people with good
1: intentions.
2: And the people that are out here now, Trump says they are thugs. Excuse me?
1: Oh, I am the fucking haircut higher than a fucking person's life. That's hilarious.
2: They do. That's
1: fucking hilarious.
2: They do, and when white people protest, they're just good people with good intentions. Practicing their right. But when anybody else stands up for people of color
0: end of the world. Why? Why is that? It's not okay. We need we need to step up. We need and that's what some people are doing and then like we're not admitting the fact that white supremacy is still a thing. We're not admitting the fact that there is still racism. We're like I feel like the civil rights movement was a thing and then they were like, "Okay, you have your rights now, but at the same time, we didn't hold white people accountable for treating people of color correctly.
2: We still don't hold white people accountable for treating people of color incorrectly. There's stuff that's so deep-seated into our culture that we don't understand why it's wrong when somebody calls us out on it. Like that's, I feel like that has a lot to do, at least in the situations that I've been in when trying to educate somebody. I, I've come into that situation so many times, especially over social media. And especially when with family members that I feel are completely missing the point that like some things are so deep seated in our culture, in white culture. I run into that a lot when trying to educate, especially people from the area that we grew up in, Lindsay. Like it is just so unbelievably apparent that they have never been uncomfortable in their lives that their entire life has been driven by white privilege. Mm -hmm. And, which is another thing, I think. Oh.
0: Wait, it's Wednesday. No, it's Thursday. Never mind. I was going to say, wait, are you guys under a storm warning? No, it's our curfew.
2: Um, So St. Louis is under a curfew right now. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. Um, From 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. because... Basically, I guess they want to take away a lot of the prime times for protesters. They say that it's about looting, and I don't think it's about that, personally. I don't, <laughs> I don't know maybe. how you feel about it.
1: but how About the curfew? curfew thing? I don't think it's right at all. I mean, yeah, it's not right, but I mean...
2: If our rights have ever been infringed on, I think that's infringing on our rights. You know,
1: they put us, they, 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 they told us to stay in the house for two months for a goddamn virus. So, you know what, why not give us a curfew? Right. Aren't
0: we still under quarantine too, though?
2: You know, I don't know because I went to the grocery store today and I asked someone stocking the shelves. I was like, am I allowed to buy two boxes of tissue? And he looked at me and he goes, that's a great question. Is COVID even still happening? And I almost laughed. But he was dead serious.
1: COVID lost a halftime lead to fucking racism, and racism has just been putting the bucket <laughs> on COVID. But you know, we'll see if COVID makes a comeback late in the fourth quarter.
2: People genuinely think that now that, since now that there's a new issue socially other than COVID, that COVID is not happening. And that is horribly misinformed. <laughs> I don't, I almost laughed in his face, but I had to walk away because I was like, I, I can't believe he was serious.
0: But anyway, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you is that, you know, as a white person, I don't know if I'm doing this correctly. I, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong way to show up and be an ally and stand up for civil rights and equal civil rights and I mean in my core belief system I just I believe that being a human is more precious and valuable than anything else regardless of the color of someone's skin so do you have like a message for other white allies so we can that may not be sure of how to let it be known that they're an ally or how to stand up during this time?
1: How I've always entered this conversation is one, just setting boundaries, um, not only for myself, but for that said person. So, but I'm not going to try to go into that. But anyway, um, I think one of the First steps to becoming an ally, whether you're, you're and, and I, when I say ally, I don't mean just an ally for the black community. I really am speaking as for all people of color and all minority groups. Like, so I, I this should carry from one community to the next community. I think step one is one, realizing your faults and the things that you have done slash said and things like that and really coming to terms with yourself and being like that was wrong of me in this situation or that was wrong of me to think about this person or this thing in that situation whatever that may be and however many different situations and times you have to think of that I think one is just realizing the mistakes and realizing the 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 racial injustice that you may have you know, cause whether you knew it or not at that time. I think To the next best thing is to listen. Yes, but not to listen to reply. I need, we, we want you to listen to try to understand. And we also know that, you know, for people that are white or that are not look like a certain, like minority group or anything like that, we want you to, you know, we we know you're not going to be able to fully understand anything and everything that we go through, but, but we, like we said, we want to be heard, but now correct me if I get this mixed up, but we want you, what's the difference between sympathize and empathize?
2: So empathy being that you have been in a situation where you can pull up those feelings from memory and say, I empathize with you. I I know what you're feeling versus sympathy where you haven't been through a situation. I haven't been through the situations you've been through Charles. Mm -hmm. I can't empathize. I can't live I haven't lived through right. any of the pain and suffering okay. that you've lived through, but I can sympathize and I'm right. here.
1: So yeah, that's what I was getting at. So uh, listening to also sympathize of uh, you know what we're talking about and what we're going through. Because at the end of the day, I hope a lot of people realize that it, the shit that we have to go through, we don't want to go through and we don't want anyone else to go through. And I don't think people realize that. And so um, I, I think that's that's the next thing is, you know, outside of, you know, figuring out your past transgressions. Now you need to sit here. You just need to listen. If you get to a point where you may think you are able to understand, that's great. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go out here and brag about it to the whole entire world that you know something that some other people may know or that you can understand. But sympathizing is the next best step. Then after that, what you need to do is make that mental note of making sure that you are holding yourself accountable and the others around you accountable to those racial injustices that you see, whether they affect you or not. And also, I think, too, is another added thing that you need to do is when you are going back to like the whole listening and trying to learn factor, if you come, for me, and this is just me personally, but if you come to me and you need and you want to ask a question about a topic that you know you're not comfortable with if i can see and tell that you're coming to that conversation and and knowing that you are naive of the subject and you just want to learn i will appreciate that a whole lot more than you just coming to be like hey i actually have a i have a question about this topic but in the back of your mind it's like i really don't have a question i just want to sit here and fucking argue with you because i don't like the what you how you feel about this or i don't like you know that you think this way or whatever what i have learned is with my white with my friends that are white allies the ones that i know that really have my back they have come to me in a way where they're like i'm not gonna be able to understand but if there's anything that i can do please let me know and also what are the things that i need to do to help how can i help How can you help? Like I said, one, listen also to kind of like how you were wanting to do, Lindsay, you know, use your white privilege to fucking help us use your white privilege to protect us so we can have our voices be heard. I think three donating or contributing to, you know, black owned businesses or contributing to, you know, organizations that help minorities, um, to, you know, help get minorities in certain areas, funding for whatever it may be, as long as it's a good and it's a reputable, um, organization as well. I want to put that out there. Um, But, you know, contributing to, you know, the black community or whatever community that you want to talk about, contributing to them in a way that helps them, one financially, but also morally, I think that it speaks volumes. Um, And then, you know, for me, the biggest factor is, you know, keeping that same fucking energy. Like if you if you're like for Ken as an example, I one thing that I've appreciated for with Ken a lot with this past like with this whole ordeal is she's been coming at motherfuckers' necks. She's been coming at people's heads for saying dumbass shit. She's been like, No, you're fucking wrong and your thinking is terrible and you're not understanding this because you just don't care. And I'm gonna let you know why you are wrong and why you should care at the end of the day, if you don't want to care still, that's fine. But I'm not going to have you in my life or whatever. I think you need to keep that same energy. Um, and I think <laughs> something that you can really, you know, you something that you can really test yourself with doing this is talking to those family members that you know, are on that bullshit. And if you can get Through having those conversations with them, no matter how they feel, whether they want to change their mind, no matter what, if you can get through that and you can still hold your own and still be like, at the end of the day, I'm still going to keep hitting you with these facts, no matter what, whether you fucking like it or not, then that is where I'm like, I can really appreciate you because... For me, something that I have learned as a black man in America, I am not going to waste my energy with people that are not going to be willing to listen and learn why they are wrong in their thinking or in their ways for what, on whatever topic. If I've had this conversation with, if I had a conversation with someone and, and I know I have not gotten anywhere with them and they're just stuck in their ways, I'm just going to be like, all right, fine. If you, that's how you want to feel, that's cool. But at the end of the day, don't come for me trying to figure shit out when shit hits the fan or shit affects you in a way. And you're like, oh, boo-hoo, I need fucking help. No, fuck you. I know. I don't care anymore. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people that are not of color don't realize that. And again, most of them just don't fucking care. They're stuck in their ways or they were just raised like that. All right, fuck them then. But at the end of the day... I think those would be the best steps in, you know, figuring out how to be a good white ally. Also do know too, people of color that may be in your life that are friends or whatever, I would say, you know, talk to them and ask them, you know, I want to be an ally to you. What would be the best things for me to help support you? Because I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's going to be different for everyone. um, Because... Me being a black male is just one identity for me. Where there are many black males that are out here that are a part of the LGBTQ spe- um, um, spectrum, or you know, they have you know the help, the mental health you know spectrum to what all the different mental health and things like that. So do know that everything that affects us affects us, but at the same time, it affects us in so many different ways. And I think for each person you know, you need to, you want to be able to make sure that you are helping them and supporting them in the ways that they need to be helped and supported. Um, And I would say my last thing that I would say to answer your question too, is don't be someone that is just going to pander. I absolutely fucking hate when people try to pander their feelings for me. I don't want to hear all this boohoo, you know, oh, this is just so awful, blah, 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 blah. And I don't see you putting in the work or I don't even see you trying to attempt to put in the work. I get it. I know everyone moves on a different pace and all that stuff. But at the same time, if you want to be that ally for me, you want to show me that you are there for me. I need to see where you have put in the work. I don't like that pandering shit. And I take that into consideration for myself when I'm supporting other people, um, that, you know, have different identities for me as well. So like, I don't want to seem like, Hey, I'm just pandering to you to just make you feel better. Like I want to actually help you in any way possible.
2: And on the topic of pandering, I think that's really important because a big lesson for me in, in becoming an ally for the black community is learning that, a form of pandering is also in some of these posts where people are like, well, I don't want you to feel like I'm coming at you, Lindsay, but you, you said the phrase, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And though your intention behind that is very pure, you're, you're like, I don't know how to, how do I do this? And everybody has that question in their head when becoming an ally, but try to avoid statements like, I'm sorry if this isn't the right thing to say or I'm sorry for the things that I've that I've been saying. I mean, not that you can't apologize, but don't bring don't bring yourself into it because people of color don't want to hear how sorry you are unless you've done something really fucking terrible. <laughs> they don't want to hear, "Oh, you know, I I'm just trying so hard and I'm I'm just not sure what to say." they don't want you to be sorry. They want you to be better. I had a friend tell me that. She said, don't be sorry, be better. I was like, oh fucking K, pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to take some action. When I'm reaching out to my friends of color to check in on them, make sure that they're doing okay, I'm sure to word it very specifically about them because it is about them. And I ask them, is there anything that in my posts, you feel like have been out of line or anything you wish you were seeing from the white community that you're not seeing? I've been asking that one a lot because it it's not about me. It's not about what I'm posting. It's about the right thing getting out there. And yeah, just to bring it back around full circle, pandering can can be a horse of many different colors. Pandering can can look a lot of different ways. Um, And I, I don't fault you for wording it the way that you did. I was very much the same way. When I went off to school, and I was part of the diversity and inclusion program, and I'm like, I am one of the very few white kids in this group. It's because they see allyship in me, but where the fuck do I start? And it started with a lot of really uncomfortable conversations.
0: See, and it had we not had this conversation now, I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you for being open. Of course. That sort the, of thing.
1: the educational experiences for all people. Yeah.
0: See, and I was talking to a friend earlier today, and I worded it. Maybe this is a better way to word it. I said, I'm not completely sure how to talk about all of this, but I'm open to being educated. Yes. So maybe that's a better way. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Just as, as long as the emphasis is not so much on I feel so bad and, and that- co- that conversation comes up a lot when people are talking about white privilege, because I could name off like a million and one different ways that my white privilege benefits me And a lot of people will be like, "Oh, wow, I feel like shit and that's okay. That's okay, <laughs> especially with being called out on a lot of a lot of social media platforms, you're gonna feel like shit." But we're also not here to talk about how much you feel like shit. That's called white guilt. It is. White white guilt is so real. And you have to get past it's not about me. It's not. It's about the injustice that has been going on for generations.
1: I would also say to sometimes I feel like you may have to live in that white guilt in order for you to fully understand the, the range of everything that may be going on or just with like a specific topic, just whatever topic you want to say. Sometimes you might have to live in that white guilt and be, and to fully understand and realize, wow, now what, like this is what these people are talking about. These are the things that affect them that I don't have to worry about ever in my life and again being having that white guilt is okay but i don't don't take that white guilt and again turn it into pandering turn that white guilt into change and action it's important to note
2: that there is no perfect ally okay it's just like being a good person it's not like you read four books and post something on social media and shut someone's shit down and then you're a white ally. It's not one of those things. It's something I've been working on for a very long time um, and I'm still working on and I'm not even close to a, a good ally. I feel like there's a lot more I could be doing, but best thing I feel you can do is listen just listen to people who are sharing their stories, who are getting up on their soapbox and talking, listen to people of color and their experiences and change. Like you have to actively put in the work to every day think, oh, I just had a thought that might not necessarily be right. Let me think about that. Let me break that down for a minute. If you're having a hard time breaking that down yourself, ask. Go somewhere and ask. Everybody's all over social media all the time before all of this. Ask the damn question. Get uncomfortable. Order a book. You know, um, listening is just so important. And if you don't feel comfortable posting things on social media where everybody can see it, I get why that's uncomfortable. I get where you're like, oh, what if I lose friends? What if I lose followers? Blah, blah, blah. What's your cause? You know, what is your cause?
0: So kind of going into, um, I've seen a lot of online videos recently about young black people talking about how their moms used to teach them or like say things about like how not to get in trouble before they left the house was this something that happened to you while you were growing up charles it's,
1: it's still a con- constant conversation every day like literally just just for an example my mom when we went back home to where she used to reside my mom called me at least twice every day to one let me to see how I was doing and just check in on me also to to let me know what was going on down here where we are and it's what almost two and a half hour three hours away something like that
0: about two and a half yeah
1: so that just and, and her biggest thing was I want to make sure that you're okay. I want to make sure that you know what's going on, blah 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 blah. So like where we are with this whole curview thing, like my mom kept updating me on that. But yeah, going back to even before like going back to even when I started going to school, like that was always a constant conversation to my mom. Um, especially for me with growing up in predominantly white institutions and going to all those all, all throughout my life in school, it, it was just an, a constant conversation of, you know, you should be doing this. You know, you should be doing that. Even to like, like on the night of like going out for like homecoming and prom in high school, like that constant conversation of my mom and dad sitting down and telling like, you know where you're going. You know the people are gonna be around you. But at the same time, having to put that reality in my head that at the end of the day, if shit popped off, the one the first people they're gonna look at is you and that's only because of your skin color which fucking sucks and i mean that's still something i have to think about to this day whenever i walk out the house where the hell i'm going to even just going to the goddamn store i have to be like sometimes i'll just be like you know what i have to make sure that i do a b c d so um E, F, and G don't happen to me, basically. Um, And so, yeah, it's a constant conversation that I have with my mom and with my dad as well sometimes. But usually it it is mostly with my mom, you know, that she wants to make sure that I'm safe. She wants to make sure that I get home from wherever I go. Um, And at the same time, she wants me to go out and live my life and do the things that I want to do. But know that there's always that hindrance or that cloud around me that, you know, something could happen only due to the fact of, you know, how I look and the way I look. I can be the most well-dressed person in a room and I stick out still more than anybody. And it sucks. But at the same time, it's just a reality that people of color just have to deal with because they've been doing that, dealing with that since birth. And like the, (laughs) the, I literally just had a conversation with one of my good friends. Um, One of my best friends, him and his wife, they're pregnant, and they're going to be having a son later this year. Mm -hmm. And she, like, put something on Snapchat literally late last week about the whole, like, George Floyd thing and, like, what happened. And she's like, I'm scared of bringing my black son into this world with all this shit still happening. And, like, I had to reassure her that, like, you are not the only person thinking about that kid's well-being. And again, they are on the other side of the country right now where they live. But at the same time, like I wanted her to know that you have so many people in your corner and there will be so many other people in his corner. At the same time, I had to also recognize that I am not in a place in my life where I'm about to have a kid like she is. So I wanted to reiterate to her, I cannot fully understand all those thoughts that are going through your mind. At the same time, I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm here for that kid. I'm here for your husband because that's my best friend. Like, I had to try to do my best to console her. Who knows if it even worked? She said it was nice and she appreciated me reaching out. But at the same time, like... I could not fathom having to think about that because I'm not there yet in my life. But at the same time, it puts something in my head. It's like, shit, I have to have all these conversations with my kids at some point that my mom had with me and my dad had with me. And then just thinking about how many generations does that go back to? And then once I have that kid, boy, girl, whatever, um, and then instilling that in them and then them having to do the same thing later on down the line. So It, you know, I hope times change. Don't see that happening too soon, but. um, Take some time. I, I, I already can fully just say that I don't think that I will be able to avoid those conversations later on in life. And I'm sure by the time I'm like 60, 70 something years old and my mom's in her 90s, she will still be having those conversations with me because at the end of the day, my age doesn't really make a difference either. So yeah, it's a constant conversation. And I mean, it's even a conversation I try to have with like kids that are younger than me or like my, like uh, cousins or like my godbrothers and things like that. Like, like, yeah, they're already getting that message from their mom, but at the same time, having them get that message from some, a a male figure that looks like them, it gives, you know, it, it it gives off, you know, maybe a better understanding for them because it's like, okay, that's just my mom. She's just saying that because that's my mom, but it's like, no, like that's like my big brother. That's like my big cousin. Like, that's someone I look up to. And it's not like, no, this shit is real. Like, I need you to understand that with your mom wanting you to get back home every night, I want to make sure that you get back home every night. And it, it's a reality that a lot of people of color have to face. And I'd also don't want you to think that only the black community faces that. Like, other communities do face that. It's just very prominent in the black community because, as you can see, people are getting killed on basically live fucking television.
2: This is just the I, beginning of a lot of a lot of rights to a lot of wrongs. Um, and I, not to make this about poor white girl, <laughs> but I think about these things when we start having kids. Like I've had to have the conversation with my parents that when Charles and I start having kids, they're not going to be mixed to the world. They're going to be black. To the world. And if they aren't ready to be grandparents, be supportive, and willing to stand up in public if they sit down at a restaurant and they get a weird look, if they're not willing to stand up and say something like I would, then they will have no business being any part of our kids' lives. I've had to have that conversation. And I think about our friends having their baby about what our friend Cam said and I think about a, another good friend and her, her baby is mixed. She's mixed and her baby is mixed and she shared something about just a poem that she wrote for her son while she was watching him sleep one night when all this first started going down and she's talking about all of the things that she's going to have to teach him don't put a hoodie on when you're out in public like don't keep your hood up. Um, if you're approached by the police, keep your hands on the wheel, like stuff that we don't have to think about when our skin is white, we just don't. And that's white privilege. And I think a lot about all the things that I'm going to have to learn to teach our kids, you know, like things that I wasn't told growing up that I'm going to hear Charles say, and I'm going to say when they leave, when they walk out the door and be like, holy fucking shit, I didn't know that that was even a thing. And I, I'm, you know, there's just going to be a world of things again, not to make it about me and just get very much in my feelings. When I think about the human beings that we're going to bring into the world someday, not anytime soon.
0: So the, that was the end of my questions. Um. It was. We kind of, well, there was one question I was going to ask, but you kind of, you didn't want to make it about you guys, but since, or your relationship, because we wanted to focus on what is happening but since we kind of got into the discussion about your children would it be okay if I asked if Charles do you think that when you and Kennedy go out in public that you're treated differently than you would be if you were alone
1: uh mm, yeah yeah. I mean well yeah that I mean that's even if I wasn't dating Kennedy if I was dating someone else I would yeah yeah I mean I can say like I feel that mostly when I feel that mostly like when I go back to your hometown and like if look like you run into someone that you know or something like that like either one they nine they don't acknowledge me which is fine the whatever. majority of the time or two if they do acknowledge me they're like so hey how are you doing blah 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 and then once I start actually speaking. And they see, oh, he speaks really, really proper. He speaks really well for himself and shit like that, which I mean, that's a whole nother microaggression in itself. Um, but yeah, I do see that that is there is a difference on how I am treated when I am with her and when I'm not with her. Um, but I think it just depends on the people that I that we are around when I am with her. Now, when I'm by myself, like if the people that know me and know who I am, like, no, they don't treat me any different. Yeah. Um, now when i'm out by myself and there are people that don't know me and um, yeah they you gotta break the ice basically once you get past that first layer of like tension of like oh my god who is this person you know then yeah then once they figure out yeah i'm a really nice person yeah like the, there is a time there are times where yeah people do act differently around me when i'm with ken i for an example and i, I don't want you to Take this to like heart too too much because um again this is my first time but meeting most of your family like during uh was that Christmas when we went to like church and shit oh yeah when you met my extended family yeah so like when I met her extended family like they most of them knew of me um but again they had never truly met me um and so like I could I could tell with some of them that if I was any other random day and they didn't know who I was, they definitely would have treated me differently or they would have acknowledged me differently. But since I am dating their family member, I think they probably in their head, they're just like, well, I feel like obligated that I need to treat him right. Not saying that none of them wouldn't treat me right, but they, I think there was an obligation of like, oh, like, let me get to know this person since said person is dating my family member. Um, But like outside of family and things like that, I think for me, I've learned that, you know, unless someone steps to me and says something disrespectful, I I just go about my business. It, It is what it is. And that's only because I've had to live that every day. And so, yeah, it happens. But at the same time, it doesn't really bother me unless it is blatant in my face. They're like really trying to again like either pander or really trying to just treat me differently than what needs to be done. Which I mean I don't I don't understand that because for me, like I feel like I don't ask for so much. Like if you say hi, I will say hi. Like um but then so most people
2: are. Right. But like at the end of the day it's like <laughs> it's not like if you see a black person walking down the street, should I say hi? I'm gonna do it. Hi, they're not right. gonna go fuck you. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That might just be from, I might <laughs> that, that might just be from just living in the Midwest for all my goddamn life. And so I'm like, yeah, we need to actually talk to people, but I mean, who knows? It, it,
2: well, and I've had to have multiple conversations with family members on like, I have never heard anything racist come out of your mouth until a black person walked into a room, and then all of a sudden it's like word vomit. Black. Like, you know the part where, um, oh, is, what was it? is it in Goldmember where he's like, mole, bloody mole. Yeah. And, like the guy has a mole on his face and he's like trying not to say something about it then he goes, mole, bloody mole. Okay, so it's, it's like the same thing. It's like sometimes people have not had interaction with people of color and that is so apparent by the fact that they're like, black. <laughs> What's it like to be black? The sad part of it is, I'm not gonna say who in relation to me, but a very close family member is consistently tripping over his toes, especially in Charles's presence. And there are so many opportunities to call this family member out. And let me tell you something. For all of you
1: in real loud. I know. I know I'm
2: really pumped up. For all of the listeners who are wanting to be an ally to the Black community or consider yourself an ally, let me tell you, I have had some of the hardest, most absolutely frustrating conversations with this family member, with this family member who has had a huge impact on my upbringing, who told me that if I ever get in trouble in school, Or if I ever see anybody at school getting called names or bullied, that if I throw the first punch, I won't be in trouble when I come home. Like that kind of an influence on my life. And now he is apparently just an avid Trump supporter, which there are some good Trump supporters out there. Do not get me wrong. But this person in particular cannot hold it in when he is in the presence of Charles. He's like... It's like some of the most racist stuff comes out of his mouth, like word vomit. And then I have to be like, do you understand what you just said? Do you understand why that's wrong? Let me break it down for you. And in those conversations, he will get so heated and so fucking frustrated that he just starts yelling back at me. I can't get a word in. It's tough. Like, I, but if I can do it, Every damn time I see this person, which I am not exaggerating, it is every time since the beginning of time. Every
0: time, if I can do it, you can do it. Difficult conversations need to be had right now. They do, and We're they need to. Do. They need to continue happening forever, ever. <laughs> no, I think, I think
2: twenty twenty, and I, I shared something. Yay, social media again. Let me read it. It was not my post. It was someone else's, and let me credit them real quick, by Leslie Dwight. She said, because, you know, everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, 2020's the worst. What if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary and raw that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, and become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't canceled, but rather the most important year of them all. To bring it around full circle to your beautiful, wonderful Manifested Life podcast, we manifested this shit. We manifested this entire year. We have been wanting to change. We have been trying to change, to put in the the effort. And so universe said, here you go. Here's a chance for you to all bond together, to be closer as a country. But it has to get really messy and really divided for anybody to really see what's going on. And not everybody's going to feel that way, but I do feel that way very strongly. I feel like, yes, there has been so much terrible, so much death happening in this year, but we need to change. And these are our opportunities to change. And the more we push that aside and try to sit and be complacent, like, oh God, I hope everything goes back to normal. The worse things are going to get. And that has proven to be true. And that's my speech.
0: (laughs) I agree with you. I think that this is a mutual manifestation by society. And I think that... We have been provided opportunities from the universe to become better versions of ourselves, a better society, a Mm -hmm. better America. And there are always going to be people that refuse that change, but there are going to be people who are like, no, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to become a better person because of all of this. And I hope there are more people on that side than the people who are refusing it absolutely. absolutely i did just think of one more thing that i would like to ask you charles would you if you feel comfortable please give us examples of times that racism has affected you
1: oh uh, yeah so there are just uh, like a few like examples there have been numerous times i've walked into stores by myself cuz my mom is like hey do you run to get this from the store like, well, this is a side note, but I hope everyone that has, you know, that's listening to this podcast has felt the pain that I have felt of when you first get your driver's license and you can go out here and drive by yourself. The amount of times your parents send you to the store for the most minute shit. How annoying is that? <laughs> like, mom, you was just at the store three days ago. You forgot this one thing <laughs> or mom I'm about to go to the store. Oh, give me this, this, this. No, mom, I'm going to the store for my shit. <laughs> Um, back to the reality of the question. So yeah, there have been numerous of times I've walked into stores um, and I have been followed in broad daylight. There have been numerous of times where I have been pulled over fra- by unmarked police cars where I wasn't doing anything. And I, I did truly feel that the police officers made up a reason why they pulled me over. To take it a little step further with that, I remember there's a time where um, in high school, my dad was taking me to work, uh, not work to school um we lived over in the area of school which again predominantly white area i to 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 show you how predominantly what the area was my family in our entire neighborhood was the only family was the only black family in the whole entire neighborhood remember my dad was taking me to school and like for reference like where i lived from like my school it was maybe like a mile and a half away. And so my dad's taking me to school after like a stop sign. My dad kind of like took off a little bit from the stop sign. But police officer, like outside of that, my dad didn't speed or anything like that. But outside of that, this police officer just pulled my dad over for, and he was just basically from what I can remember from this conversation, the cop didn't say that my dad was speeding. The cop didn't say that, like, you know, it was an expired license plate or anything like that. And my dad just sat there and asked the cop, like, why did you pull me over? And the cop just kept making up, you know, numerous of excuses. And my dad just straight up to him was like, did you pull me over? Because I was a black man in a really nice car and I had a fucking jacket and a skull cap on or did you have a real reason to pull me over? Cop was just sat there stunned, and he didn't know what to say. And my dad was pissed because he was like, I'm trying to get my son to school. Now my son's going to be late to school. Now my son's going to be in trouble for being late for school because you pulled me over and you don't have a fucking reason. And this was literally like where my dad got pulled over was where he was dropping me off. But he told me not to get out of the car because he didn't want anything to happen to me or to him because he didn't know what the fuck was going on. So that's just one example. I can take it a step further back to when I was in second grade. There's this little white uh, black girl in our class, this little white fucking kid just kept pushing her, kept picking on her, blah, 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 blah. And then he touched her in a really, really inappropriate way. Well, when she went and told the teacher, she, of course, she was going to tell the kid, yeah, I'm telling the teacher. And that kid was like, I don't want to get in trouble. Again, this is, mind you, this is in second grade. The teacher told, I mean, the the student, the little girl, black girl told the teacher what had happened. And for some reason, out of nowhere, I got mixed into the situation and the teacher Blatantly told this little black girl, no, I don't think it was this student. It was actually Charles being me myself. It got to the point where they were ready to take me out of that school and move me to a different school. My parents we like, no, that's not happening because they asked me, did I touch that girl? And I was like, no, like I, I would never do that. I was never that type of kid to touch someone inappropriately ever. And my parents literally had to fight the fucking school to keep me in the school, just to keep me in the school district. What wound up happening was that teacher knew that it was that white little white kid that touched her inappropriately, but she didn't want him to get in trouble. And so she basically used me as the scapegoat. Now, I don't know what the fuck happened to that teacher, whatever, but trust and believe like, cause like it got to the point where like, I, I, I think it got to a point where there is maybe going to be some minor legal action, but I, I can't remember that fully. But at the end of the day, finished out that school year and that was not in that school district the next school year because my parents were heated and I think they got to the point where, like, we will sue the school district if we have to. Now, mind you, again, another predominantly white institution. I think her and I were probably the only black kids in that school. Uh, I mean, in that classroom, just that not necessarily the whole school district, but just in that classroom. And and, and that just shows you, again, how deeply rooted racism can be in this country. The, the couple of times that I've been pulled over by unmarked police cars, that was just in the middle of the night, me coming back home from work. And they pulled me over because the car that I was driving at the time, they they pulled me over and, they're, and you know, I can say that when that did happen, those police officers were nice or they, they said that, you know, they didn't make me feel like I had to be feel threatened. And they just, they possibly knew that, you know, with me being in that area and living where I was, they are like, you know, we don't... St- we don't think that you would necessarily be a threat. The fact that they would have to think about that is just, you know, terrible in itself. But, you know, they pulled me over. I personally think it was mostly because they're like, what is this kid doing in this specific car at this time of night? But they made it seem like, oh, well, we pulled you over because we see that you don't have a front license plate. I have never in my life known that there was a Missouri law that you needed to have both a front license plate and a back license plate. Everything that is a law. But at the same time- People do it all the time. But at the same time- I've seen numerous of people without front license plates on their cars. One reason for that, because of the type of cars that they may have, if they have like certain luxury cars, aesthetically, they don't like the look of having a front license plate. Just have a back license plate. It's fine. But I've been pulled over for that twice before. And, but I've never like seen any of my white friends been pulled over for that. And I've asked some of my white friends that don't have front license plates on their car. I'm like, have you ever been pulled over for this? And they said, no, we didn't even know that was a law. Because I remember after being pulled over the first time for that, I called my dad and I was like, dad, did you know this is a law? And he was like, no, but we see numerous of people that don't do that. So those are just a few examples of where I've experienced racism and or discrimination. I've also experienced that in the classroom as well. And you know, when teachers are talking about certain things and they're like, Oh, let's get the opinion of like the only student of color. Like I, I I believe that is a little bit not necessarily. I mean, if you want to say it it could be a little bit of racism, but I think that's very discriminatory because it's like, I'm not the voice for all people of color on this one. Subject. So, why are you only asking me about this one subject? But you're not asking any of these other white kids in this classroom about that one subject. We need to hear what they are hearing, what they what they feel. We need to hear their opinion. And then, if I feel like I need to interject, then I will do that and I will interject. Um, But those are just some of the the few things that I have dealt with, and I'm sure that some of those may reoccur. And also, too, there is also the the times where, like, I may be experiencing racism or discrimination, and I might not even know it because I, I can't I don't have eyes all the way around my head, so I can't see how people are reacting when I am you know somewhere another another really I think it's just to me it's just comical, but another situation I've been in is when I was in uh, I was at a hotel. Um, with some friends because we were like someone's birthday party or whatever and we were going back downstairs to leave and so me and my friend i was gonna take him home so then i can drop him off and then i can go home but there are these two other african-american males that got on the elevator with us we were on the same floor like we're all going down cool whatever and we of course like when you're going down on the elevator sometimes you stop on other floors um we stopped on this floor and this white lady um actually no let me read track this whole conversation. We got on an elevator with a white lady and then we hit another floor where two other African-American males got on the elevator. When she saw those other two African-American males got on the elevator, she instantly got off the elevator and we were just standing there like, And mind you, me and my friend did not know these other two guys that were on the elevator. They were all just going down like we were. But she deliberately, as soon as she saw them two walk walk on, she got right off. And we knew that she was, that wasn't her floor because we knew she was going all the way down to the bottom floor. And the four of us just looked at each other and we were like, that was kind of weird, but okay. Like, I don't like, why, like did she feel threatened? Like none of us said anything. We were all sitting in the each corner of the, of the, of the elevator. And she would just stand there. We were all minding our own business. Literally all of us were on our phones or, you know, when the other two walked on, they were just talking to each other. And, but the fact that she felt so threatened and uncomfortable that she thought something was going to happen. And we all looked at each other. We were like, I mean, we was just chilling. We like, like nothing we would, nobody would have thought about doing anything because they were going down to the lobby to go to the front desk to ask for something. And like I said, we were just going home. And that is just like that situation right there really told something to my, like really said something to me or in the fact of like, There are some white people out here that just really don't know what they think they know. Does that make sense? They really don't understand that we are really not a threat at all until you make us a threat. But that's already in your mind. So that just means and shows that we are already a threat to you regardless and again like i said those are just some of the examples of you know the times i've experienced racism and discrimination and i'm sure there will be plenty more that i will experience until the good lord decides to take me so but yeah those the, the those are just a few examples that i can say that has really stuck with me um and then there are plenty others that i can still also think about that i'm just like i don't i don't need to talk about it because at the end of the day what difference has it made for me nothing really just the fact that i okay i get it you see me for my color instead of for the person who i am which can completely prove to the fact that that bullshit excuse of i don't see color is stupid because if that was the case that white lady would not have walked off that fucking elevator yeah I got deep any other questions can i share a story real quick and this doesn't even
2: need to be included either but
0: yeah charles and
2: i met at school at undergrad and i had been invited to a party and i was pumped so i was like hey charles john rob you guys want to come with me to this party and they were very adamant about asking me like who all is going to be there and i was like answering the question but i wasn't really sure why they were asking i didn't get it I didn't. Little naive Kennedy did not understand. So I named off some people. I was like, "Oh, it's the rugby guys. It's a bunch of people that that you guys all know. Like that we all lived in the same dorm together, dorm building." And I was like, "It'll be great."
1: You lived with all of them. I did not live with all of them.
2: Most of them you knew, though.
1: I knew them, but I didn't. And live
2: with they them. and they had told me, "Yeah, go ahead, bring Charles and John and Rob." So I was really excited to bring them to this party and they were very hesitant and I kept pushing. I shouldn't have. And I kept pushing. I was like, come on, it'll be great. It'll be so much fun. They said you could come. And so we walk over to this party and I open the door and we walk in and we didn't even get past the front door before the entire party went dead.
1: You were already there. It was just when John and Megan and I walked in. Yes. You, uh, you had already been there for, like, an hour and a half, couple of hours. And then, John, I was just like, John, let's just go. And Meg was like, cool, I'll go with you. Because that was when I was living off campus, I believe.
2: Okay. But you yeah. guys walked in, and the room went dead. Like, I could swear that even the music turned off.
1: <laughs> no, the music kept going. But I was mortified. A lot of people were just like, who, why, who are they? Which, again, most of them... I did know. Most of them knew John. Some And then some. most of them really, like, they knew Megan, but they didn't know no Megan like that. Like, it's not like they would, like, actually go out and talk to Megan and make an effort to talk to Megan.
2: But so my point with this is that I could have sat and sulked about that for a long time because I, trust me, (laughs) I, to this day, feel absolutely horrible about it. But instead of sitting and making it about me. I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better about listening to my friends of color when they are hesitant about something because I might not understand. I might not understand why they're they're hesitating." And that goes for all people anyway. Like, you don't know what somebody's going through or what they have been through. And yeah, I just wanted to use that as an example of <laughs> you don't have to sit in sulk and feel bad for so long let yourself learn from
0: it and move the hell on everything is a teaching moment breach My biggest regret is blocking my cousin on social media. I could have taken it as an opportunity to have a really hard conversation with him. And I feel like I took the easy way out by just blocking him. That was a point where I let the Black community down, and I'm sorry
1: about that. I mean, I think, like I said, like, the one you're already showing how you're like, oh, this is a past situation where I should have stood up, where I should have spoken up in and said thing. At the end of the day, also know, Lindsay, it's not too fucking late. If you really want to be petty, you can unblock said family member. You can still speak up and be like, hey, you made a comment that I did not agree with and here's why. And if he wants to go in a little hugabaloo and bitch out about how... These people are blah, blah, blah. Okay, then let him waste his breath. Then at the end of the day, you can hit him with more facts and then just leave the conversation. Go ahead. You know, you can call him, text him. You can send him a direct message, whatever the fuck you want to do. Send
2: him a letter in the mail.
1: I mean, we can, you can Make him wait. You can send a messenger pigeon. That's what you need to do. Find you a messenger pigeon, send him a message, and then never send anything back again. And that's the word with purred.
0: Manifested Life Podcast is a podcast recorded, produced, and edited by Lindsay Watson and Randy McCoy. Our intro and outro music was produced by Rary Music, or as he's also known as, Brian Fitzgerald. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you would like to connect with us, we are on Instagram and Facebook as Manifested Life Podcast, and we're on Twitter at Life Manifested. If you have any questions or have any topic suggestions for our upcoming episodes, please email us at Manifested Life Podcast at gmail.com. Bye-ya. Bye. Bye.